Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Grecian's Gossip. I'm Jack Ball and joining me in the studio today is Stuart James and Jamie Hawkins. Good morning. Hi Jack. Hi Jack. And a very warm welcome to this week's special guest who joins us over the phone. That's former City winger John Hodge. Hello to you. Hi, good morning guys. How are you? Thanks very much for joining us. And, um, just let us, first of all, let us know what you're up to at the moment. Yeah, I'm really good. I, uh, I live in Cornwall in Newquay. Um, I'm currently looking over the beach of the rain, actually, because it's pouring down here. <laughs> nice um, in our view here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, we have um, we have a sport sports company called Colonel Sport and Leisure. Um, we do a lot of skills coaching and skills uh, sports and stuff, and uh, a lot of um, activity holidays. We've got a, another company called Cornwall Activity Holidays. So we do skill groups, you know, like residential weeks, corporate groups. So businesses come to us on an activity night or a day or week or whatever they want. And we also do individual family holidays where they come on a camping family holiday and uh, we do activities with them. So, yeah, it's all going really well. Obviously, this time of year it's a bit quiet now because we've just had the busy time. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's all good. Really enjoying it. So imagine to catch a little bit of a breath now, are you? Pardon? Catching your breath now after a hectic summer. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it has been quite busy. The weather's been phenomenal as well, so yeah. it all helps, you know. Fantastic. Well, before we talk more about your time at City, we'll discuss the Mansfield result first of all. A cracking win for Exeter, and it's been a great start to their se- the season, hasn't it? Sorry, it's not a great line. Could you repeat that, please? Yeah, that's fine. So, so before we talk more about your time at City, we'll discuss Mansfield. Obviously, a cracking win for Exeter. Um, a great start to the season for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I don't really um, get up too often to see games. I always look for the results. Mm. Always ask. I've got a lot of Plymouth Argyle fans uh, as friends down. Well, I wouldn't call them friends, but, but <laughs> we always speak. Um, and, uh, you know, I always ask them, especially for the results for Exeter, especially because Argyle are struggling. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, they've started really well. Um, the new manager, you know, people who I've spoken to about him seems to speak very, very highly of him. And, uh you know, obviously, Tiz did a, a fantastic job there. He's moved on now. And uh, it's a little bit like, you know, the king is dead longer than the king. And uh, I think um, new, gaff, new Gaff has come in and, and picked it up. And I think the lads have got a lot of respect. And they're obviously he's getting, them, getting the best out of them. And I mean, Stuart and, and Jamie, you've both been there. Um, you, we spoke before about how the atmosphere has been around the ground. Do you still notice that? Is it still getting better and better? And obviously, the, the ground's getting closer to being open at all four sides yeah. now as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much progress on and off the pitch, really. Um, you know, the, the Notts County game was fantastic. Winning 5-1, scoring good goals, playing really, really well, especially as that came off the back of City not scoring in four games. And as you touched on there, the stands are, are pretty much finished now. We've got some pictures that came out this morning of the, the away terrace. That's pretty much completed now. You know, they're just sort of putting the final touches to it all and, and they'll be open, hopefully, in time for Forest Green. So it's, it's all good, isn't it, Jake? Yeah, as you said, Stu, I mean, there was a, not so much of a, of a crisis, but, you know, going a few games without a goal, it was getting a little worrying for fans. And Matt Taylor said, you know, that people needed a, a reality check because a lot of fans were really talking about promotion, weren't they? Um, getting a bit carried away. And that Lincoln result, obviously, you know, sort of showed perhaps where, where both clubs are. Obviously, Lincoln are going to be one of the favourites to go up and sort of... Um, gave Exeter a bit of a lesson, I suppose, a reality check which they, they needed. But, yeah, I mean, what better way to respond than a 5-1 win against Notts County? Obviously, they're, they're struggling at the moment, got a new manager. But um, after going, was it four games without goals, put five past mm. a, a side that, are, you know, tipped to, to go up is obviously encouraging. And then 
a massive win at, at Mansfield, perhaps one of the biggest of the season because we all expected a, a, a really tough test because I think they're one of the favourites to, mm. to be at least in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, great goals as well. Dean Moxie with a, a lovely curling strike on his, his right foot. Um, you know, and it shows that how, you know, resolute they were to, to, to grind up the win. Obviously, when Mansfield got a, a goal back, um, perhaps in previous seasons, might have thrown the three points away. But it just shows how strong they are defensively, which Matt Taylor's obviously worked on being a, a centre-back himself as a, as a player. So, all positive at the moment. And Matt Taylor obviously made some comments about Jaden Stockley um, after the game. Does he have a point with what he said? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you just have to watch Stockley and he does get pulled from pillar to post in games. You know, he's got defenders quite often, if he's a lone striker as well, he's got two defenders on him. So they're pulling his shirt and pinning him down, making it really, really difficult for, for Jaden. Hodgie, you, you played with that type of striker at City in, in Ronnie Jepson. I mean, do, do you remember it from back in back in the day and the sort of stick that Jeppo would get off centre-halves? I remember the stick that Jeffo used to give me for not putting the ball in. I mean, you can never forget Ronnie. Um, yeah, I mean, Ronnie was just a you know typical old-fashioned um, centre forward. You know, he was um, you know very physical, hold the ball up, and knew where the goal was. You know, um, he had fiery red hair and, and a fiery temper to match. And uh, yeah, he, I mean, he was he was a great striker. I mean. You know, Gaffer used to just say to me, "Just put the ball in the, in the you know, in the box, and uh, if he's not there, it's his fault." You know, and um, he would always get there, Ronnie. And if he didn't put it in the box, I remember, you know, when I first started, I used to sort of get the ball and go to cross it, check out, go to cross <laughs> it, check out, and do my little tricks. And uh, <laughs> I got the abuse he used to give me. You know, I can't repeat it, obviously, on the uh, <laughs> no, on the phone, but um, yeah, he made me well aware. And it was Steve Williams, actually, who said to me, look, you know, you, you don't have to beat anybody. The, the actual quality of the cross will beat, beat the defender. And that's when, uh, you know, it added to my game as a winger, really, because then, obviously, I didn't, you know, didn't just have in my head that I needed to beat everybody. I could just, you know, first touch and then whip it in. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure Ronnie benefited and Steve Moran and other strikers from that. But, yeah, uh, but yeah Ronnie was a um, great lad, and he did. He got so much stick. Um, but then, but he loved it. He absorbed it. It was in his character, his, in his purse, it was ingrained in Ronnie. He actually, you know, thrived on it. He was fantastic with it. And as, as Stuart, Jaden Stockley ever said anything about yeah. these sort of tackles? It comes on the same weekend with Wilfred Saha said very yeah. similar stuff about he doesn't know what to do anymore. Is, uh, is Jaden relishing it? Does he like the battle, or is he finding it tough as well? Do you know? Um, I've, I've not spoken to him about it, but um, I mean, he just seems to get on with the job really. And you only have to look at his goals record. I mean, twenty-five goals last season. He's got five already this year. You know, he's he just goes about his job really. He's he is the the sort of you know. I always remember man, previous managers talking about the engine of the team, the strikers being mm. the engine of the team, and Sockley's definitely that for City. But no, he just sort of gets on with it. And you know, some people do accuse him of, of milking it a little bit and looking for the free kicks and throwing himself about a little but bit. Who does but it in this day and age? Well, exactly. I, I think that's unfair on Jaden, though. To be honest, I think you know he gets I don't I don't get how these some City fans give him stick I mean his goals record is absolutely phenomenal he leads the line brilliantly we've had two you know a really good loan spell and then a really good year with him last year he started this year really well what more can he do and, and Jamie do you think those tackles on um, Jaden ever go past the line are they within the law of the game mm, not really I think it's one of those where because it's league two um, I think you might be inclined to get away with it more than perhaps in the Premier League or Championship because 
not as many people watching it on on TV, etc. Doesn't get as much attention. But as Stu said, you know, he every game he gets absolutely battered. I mean, there was one game last season when he broke his nose, didn't he? Yeah, um, I can't remember who. They did have a Bristol Rovers as well, didn't they? Yeah, he, yeah. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's used to having a bloody, uh, bloody <laughs> yeah. nose. I yeah, think, yeah, every so time. Not many games go past where he doesn't come up, you know, battered and, and, and bruised. But as Stu said, he just seems to be the sort that just gets on with it. Um, it's such a tough position to be like a target mm. man in League Two because there's only so much you can take surely before mm. you know y- your temper goes and you're going to give some back. I mean, but, if, but if you're the opposition and you're you've got to deal with that and you know he's one of the hottest strikers in League Two, you're going to do all you can to stop him. And if that yeah, if that means treading the, the line of what's acceptable and what's not, you're going to do it, aren't you? Yeah, you are. But that, that's where I feel for Jaden because in yeah. the game against Lincoln, you know he goes up for an aerial ball with their centre half and Michael, uh, Boswick. It was wasn't it, Michael mm. Boswick. And he got penalised and got given a yellow card. And that was the first challenge that Jaden went in for that game. And he's on a yellow card and he knows that if he makes another mm. similar challenge, he gets a second yellow card and is sent off. So, yeah, I've got no issues with Jaden. I think he... I mean, you only have to look at the, the Dean Moxie goal up at Mansfield on Saturday and the cross comes in and you see Jaden being hauled to the floor before the ball comes out to Dino and he scores. So, it's you know, it, it just happens week in, week out with him. It's definitely weird. He gets criticism. I mean, gold, strikers like that are, are gold dust, aren't they, in, in League yeah. 1 and League 2. But to, the, win, the win as a whole, do you think it's the best of the Matt Taylor era so far? I mean, like you said, Matt have got, as far as we know, quite a decent budget and they're expected mm. to be challenging this season. Yeah, I think it is. You know, you go up to Mansfield and as you say, they've spent a fair bit of money in the summer <laughs> and City, you know, 2 nil up and, and looking fairly comfortable. Gave away a bit of a soft goal to make it 2-1. But yeah, I think it's the best one of the Matt era so, era so far. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it puts a statement out, doesn't it? When you go yeah. and beat one of your so-called promotion rivals, you know, to go away from home and, you know, beat them and get a couple of goals, it's, it really does put, you know, City on, on the map in terms of, uh, the League Two table, and you know, certainly sends the message out that look, Exeter, you know, they're they're not here, you know, to to make up the numbers in a way. Not they are going to be challenging. You know, obviously there was a lot of talk about how they would respond after Tisdale leaving after all these years, and Matt Taylor, you know, it's his first job. No one knew how he was going to do as a manager, but so far, you know, he talks to talk, and he's, you know, letting the players play with a lot of freedom, good attacking football. Um and yeah, he's doing, you know, better than I think a lot of fans would have expected going into the season. And typically following that is a game against Cheltenham. Is that a potential banana skin? They all are, aren't they? You know, yeah, I know it's a cliche, but as we said in the office earlier this week, there are only cliches because they're true. Um Cheltenham are a dangerous side. Any team in League Two is a dangerous side. Anyone's capable of beating anyone. But um, City got nothing to fear. They're playing really well. Confidence is high. There's no reason why they can't carry it on. Yeah, obviously Cheltenham have had a bit of a difficult start. You know, getting rid of Gary Johnson, of course, um, and you know bringing a new manager in. So you never know how it's going to go. It's going to take time. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to to see how you know Exeter do. Obviously, on a bit of a high at the moment. You know, obviously putting that difficult spell behind them. Uh, be interesting to see about. Liam McElinden, obviously he's coming back perhaps with a, a, a point or two to prove because you know, he got a bit of a stick from fans during his time at St James's Park. Obviously he ran um, a lot during, you know, covered a lot of grass during the pitch but just couldn't really get um, up and running in terms of goals. Perhaps he'll come back with a, a point to prove, assuming he, he mm. plays of course. But um, yeah, it'll be a really interesting game, one of very few Derbies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you can call Cheltenham a derby these days. It's not 
too many in, in this league so it should be a good crowd um, and yeah it'd be exciting to see how, how extra get on there Indeed um, it'll also be interesting to see what Matt Taylor does as well in terms of um, tactics and team selection with, with John Fortback mm. this weekend so we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that anyway back to you Hodgie um, thanks again for, for coming on the show always great to speak to an ex-player Let's take you right the way back to, to where it all started then and you being at Falmouth Town. How did the move to Exeter come about? Well, I'd, um, obviously I'm from Lancashire. I'm from a little village in Lancashire called Skelmersdale, which is probably the overspill of Liverpool. That's why I, I left and got out. Craig Noon and, came um, from Skelmersdale as well, didn't he? Very posh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, I came down to live in, in Newcastle, some family down here, and I started playing football for Newquay first and foremost. And... Um, Basically, just, you know, you start playing and um, I was just waiting on in the hotels, if I'm truthful, just having a bit of a summer job and enjoying life. Um, didn't think I'd be here very long, um, but decided to stay for the summer. Started playing football and, um, you know, one minute I'm in the, just playing the second team at Newquay and banging goals in. And um, and all of a sudden, I'm into the first team at Newquay and two weeks after that, I'm playing for Cornwall. And... Um, that's really how it all started, and then not very long after that, I got invited up. There was a, you know, you get all these rumours. There was a lot of scouts watching you, um, and I know Plymouth were quite interested. And I went up there and played a game with them, and then all of a sudden I went to Old Trafford. So I'm I'm, I'm up at Old Trafford on a trial with Man United, and uh, I spent probably on and off about four and a half five months up at Old Trafford, and uh, played in the A team and the reserve teams up there, and um, and you know. Trained with the first team every day, and the gaffer Alex Fagan got us in the office, and he said, "No, we've got a couple of." He said, "You know, you're a great player." He said, um, "I don't think you're going to score as many goals as the guys I've got coming through." And uh, that was Mark Robbins, and uh, you know, I cut inside, beat two players, shoot keeper, parry it, and Mark Robbins would just go, "Bump, thank you very much," because he was always <laughs> in the right place at the right time. And what a good striker Mark was. And um, so he said, um, "You know, I'm looking to let you go." He said, um, "But I've got a couple of people that are interested in you." And one was Terry Cooper, and um, I wanted to come back down the West Country, so I actually came down to speak to TC, and um, you know he was really interested in signing me that season. And all of a sudden, he got he got sacked, he left, and then um, I think Raddy had said to Alan Ball when Gaffer came in, said, "Look, we've had this guy on trial; he's worth a look at." And uh, I came on to a, a trial with uh, against uh, Swansea, believe it or not, and. Um, yeah, did, did, he signed me straight after that trial game, me and Gary Chapman, and um, that was it. Really, that was my uh, that was the start of it all for me. Um, I was actually currently at that time playing for Falmouth. I think I'd only played three games for Falmouth, um, Falmouth Town with Trevor Newton, and Trevor came up with me to speak to them about the contract. I think he wanted a free kit for Falmouth Town in the test <laughs> and uh, uh, you know a pre-season game or something out of it. So obviously I was worth a lot of money back in the day, you know, a free <laughs> kit and uh, a, a game down from extra pre-season training. So that's how it all started and um, it all went from there, really. And did, did those five months at Old Trafford, did that really help your career? It, it was brilliant. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, fantastic experience. I mean, mm. you know, I'm, I'm literally turned up from playing for Newquay in the, <laughs> in the, um, in the South West League. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm training with these kids that, uh, now I was sort of 18 at the time, and these kids I think were a little bit younger, um, but the coaches were Snobby Styles and Brian Kidd. And the reserve team, it was a Tuesday morning, the reserve team had played on the, a Monday and they were off, so that was the team I would normally train with. 
But it wasn't a case of reserves and first team, it was a case they all trained together. Mm. So this guy came over, Brian Whitehouse, and said, I'll oh, come and train with us. So I went, and the first day I got there, I ended up training with the whole first team at United. It was brilliant, unbelievable. And, um, you know, the gaffer, as in Alex Ferg, had come up to me and said, um, you know, welcome, you know, you deserve to be, enjoy yourself. And I oh, was magnificent, unbelievable. And I felt like a million dollars, you know, and I just... Mm. He just made me feel, just go out there and play. You know, let's have a look at you and do what you do. Don't overcomplicate it. And, um, yeah, it, it was it was a fantastic, fantastic opportunity. Um, great experience for, for a young lad who... And, obviously, you know, he actually got on the phone to, to Terry Cooper to say, look, you know, we're, we're releasing him. And, um, basically, he wants to come back to the West Coast. Do you want first option? Because I've got a couple of other people who are looking at him. And I think CC said, yeah, bring him down. And uh, I came down and um, that was it, really, unfortunately. I thought the deal was all done, but GC got sacked. So it was just, uh, it was just um, ended up that Gaffer come in, Alan Ball come in, and uh, Mike Radford had said, look, I've got this player, have a look at him. And that's where it all went for me. Fantastic. And how do you look back at your time with City now? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, absolutely. First club, wasn't it, really? I mean, you know, I made my professional debut really I mean it's alright playing in the reserves at United a few times but you know and that was great that was alright but you know you're playing at Old Trafford with nobody there but you know my first debut um, was coming on as a sub against Hartlepool for 20 minutes and you know um, just just the experience I mean I played against a few of the lads before you know I remember Tom Kelly at that pre-season when Exeter come down to Newquay I think Tom two-footed me somewhere around my knees and said, uh, and I, I said something to him, oh, where are you playing next year? And then in the end, I ended up playing with him. He ended up becoming <laughs> great mates. Um, but it was uh, it was just a fantastic experience. I mean, the gaffer was absolutely amazing. You know, absolutely first-class human being. Um, taught me so much. And um, I was just somebody who was very, very young, very raw, lots of pace. Um, and, and to be fair, what, what Alan Ball and the rest of the coaching staff, Mike Radford and everybody else at uh, Exeter put into me was made me obviously into a, a, an half-decent play, you know. And John, um, obviously you would have had a lot of memories down at, at Exeter, but I guess the one that stands out was that 3-0 win um, at Plymouth Argyle. You know, I had to look up the, the highlights on YouTube yesterday. Jamie's a lot younger, John. <laughs> Just to watch your um, your two goals, um, fantastic away kit as well, by the way, um, and that celebration. I mean, fantastic. is that the, what did the you stand up? You what, mate? Sorry, what was that fantastic away kit? Oh, the away kit as well, um, oh, and um, your celebration as well. I mean, was that the the, the stand up memory uh, during your time at Exeter that went at Plymouth? Um, I think so. I mean, we we played in some good games. We had a good couple of cup games, you know. Um, I think score on my full debut, if you like, against Stockport. Stockport were playing the top of the league. We had big Kevin Francis. I remember standing in the box, and I think I stood next to him. I was next to his waist. He was about two foot bigger than Kevin Miller, even with his arms up, you know. Uh, that was a, a standout game, because I scored on, on my full debut. That was, that was one game, I remember. But certainly the Plymouth game, I mean, don't need to tell you boys about the rivalry. I mean, it was fantastic. And back in those days, it was rife. You know, they had... Peter Shilton, they had a lot of big budget, spending a lot of money. Um, that, that was my second season. I mean, I, I started really, really well. Um, as in, I trained, me and John Brown had trained out a season all year. I went back absolutely flying pre-season, so I was ready. 
and you know started off absolutely flying scoring goals as well which was a bonus for me because I was really a winger who was happy to create for the strikers and um, yeah I mean we, we after Christmas I had a bit of a burnout if I'm truthful and I think I was on about eight or nine goals and Gaffer got on to me you know was get, he used to give me a quite a tough time anyway because of my personality and we used to have a, a lot of banter a lot of fun but uh, you know he used to really keep me on my toes and he was on to me you know you haven't performed brother. and I, I probably needed a rest but we didn't have a big squad in those days mm. and um, we came to the Plymouth game at Home Park our form was really bad they were flying and um, oh what a day unbelievable Stewie Stora goes through Stewie was really quick, you know, um, beats the keeper 1-0. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I, uh, you know, I get a ball through, um, beat him for pace and uh, score the first one. And then I think a mistake mixed up in their defence. So I went through, scored the second one and, and done a somersault in front of our fans. <laughs> <laughs> and you do rightly claim to have invented the somersault as well, don't you, Hodgie? 100%, but you know all that already, Mr James. I um, do indeed. I invented the somersault, yes. I mean, if you look at all the lads who copied me, Esprit and all the other, <laughs> or even the South Americans started doing after that. You know? <laughs> but um, it was fantastic. I mean, basically, you just run, you know, we've got, I don't know how many fans we have, a couple of thousand fans, it seemed like, behind the gun, but it was full. And, oh my God, you know, you score the goal, you know that really seals the game, or you think it does. And you just run, all the lads are jumping on you, and you see Jeppo running over to Borley in the video. <laughs> Um, and I think you know we needed that as a football club regardless of it was brilliant for me personally to score two goals um, you know at Elm Park winning 3-0 massive win for us I think the club needed that and I think the gaffer needed that more than anything and after the game you know he gave me a really hard time and I, I did say to him look stick that one up where you shouldn't you know what I mean and uh, he was just laughing you know I just said stick that up your ass," and he was laughing <laughs> off, you know and uh but he was that type of guy, you know. Yeah. He'd give it, but you know, if, if you if you perform, you could you could do that, you know. And uh, yeah, it was brilliant, fantastic memory. Yeah, uh, just talking about Alan Ball. What was he like as a manager? I imagine after that game in particular, he was absolutely buzzing because Ball he just seemed to love derby games. Oh, I mean, we we seemed to beat Plymouth in the derby games, didn't we? You know, we we seemed to have the upper hand on them in the derby games. Um, and, and you know we were we were you know a really really good little football inside. You know we had some really good players. You know, and a good blend of players as well. You know, obviously Kevin Miller, you know, goal and Scotty Eiley behind me, and you know some good Tom Tom Kelly in the middle. You know, Eamon Collins, Jeppo Morano up front, Stevie Williams. You know, you get to play with those type of players. I mean, we had a good side. We just unfortunately, I just don't think we had a squad big enough that when we did lose one or two key players. We didn't have anybody to come in, you know, it was a lot of the kids coming in saying that, Buster Phillips and one or two others who came in and filled that gap, you know, didn't do very bad, it didn't do so bad at all, but we didn't have that depth, where what, what the likes of Argyle and that to compete for the league, but um, but yeah, I mean, Alan Ball as a manager, I mean, um, the one thing I'll, I'll say to, the one thing that sticks out, I mean, not only you say legend, I mean, he's an absolute legend as a player, we used to play five a side at the Cat and Fiddle on a Friday and he'd still be the best player. And even if he wasn't, he'd still tell you he was the best player, you know, um, on, on, the, on the field. Um, he was so humble, such a humble guy with what he'd achieved. So was his whole family, Jimmy and the daughters and Leslie's his lovely wife, God bless her. And, you know, 
just a lovely, lovely human being. Um, as a manager, I suppose I've worked with a lot of different types of manager. I mean, he was the best coach even today, and I've worked with some really good coaches. I think Alan Ball was potentially the best coach I ever worked with. Um, I was young, I was obviously keen to learn, like I was all the way through my career, but it was just phenomenal. Everything was controlled pass and move. If you look at what Guardiola's doing now, Borley was teaching that 30 years ago. It was absolutely fantastic about the third man. He had all these things going on in training called Jack, Nicks and Sid. And nobody on the pitch was called Jack, Nick or Sid. <laughs> but, you know, Jack's was leave it, Nick's was nick it round the corner and Sid was you had to go for the second one. But he was fantastic. Friday meetings, he'd tell you everything about the opposition. Um, how we could hurt them, how we could get hurt. For, you know, as, as a coach, technician, tactically, fantastic. As a manager, he would just go absolutely apeshit. I mean, <laughs> you know, he wanted to win at all costs, you know. And as a manager, he wore his arm on his sleeve. He said it as it was, didn't give two hoots who was in the room at the time. Teapot would go, flat cat would go, everything. It was like odd bod off James Bond. Me and Ken will have ducked so many times with a flat cap coming towards us, you know. But uh, absolutely amazing, really. I mean, and a lot of those lesser characters, you know, they would probably be a little bit, oh, you know, and didn't respond to me. I just got on with it because he knew that I'd respond to that type of, of, of uh, constructive criticism, if you can call it, I suppose. Yeah. If you look at it back then, it was screaming and, and, and shouting and, and stuff like that. But afterwards, you know, he calmed down and and he talked to you. But at that particular time, he was just completely lost in the game, passionate, where he's on his sleeve, and telling you, if you were brilliant, he would absolutely come over and love you and buy your pie, everything. If you were shocking, he'd let you know, you know? Yeah. And that's what he was like. But he was an absolute legend. I absolutely adored the guy. And it's not just obviously some uh, great managers you worked with, you played with some great players as well. Miller, Hiley, Steve Williams, Steve Moran, Ronnie Jepson, to name just a few. But who stood out for you and who were the characters of that time? The characters, I mean, there, there was loads of characters. I mean, you know, big big Kevin Gowell and, and Scott Hiley. And, you know, they were the lads who were young and, and all these big, you know, they'd just been promoted. All the clubs were looking at them. So, you know, you weren't here the football, in, uh, the, the, the thing for Big Time Charlie. Were they weren't Big Time Charlies. They were just confident. They'd done brilliant the season before. And there was a lot of, lot of you know, a lot of clubs interested in them and potential moves, you know what I mean? Mm. So they had a little bit of a swagger around them, you know. Um, and, and they had great banter. I mean, me being a scouser, me and Kev used to give me a load of crap. Me being young and uh, just coming into the club, <clears throat> I suppose my place was just be down there and shut up but me being a, um, a scouser and I used to just give them as good as we got you know <laughs> and we used to have a load and we become good friends in the end and um, work together eventually but um, I mean there's loads of characters loads of characters you know um, Danny Bailey I mean Danny was just unbelievable absolutely never seen anything like it you know I thought he was boxing training before we went out you know <laughs> he would you know he'd get in the mirror and you know, he had his way, his own way of motor. But he what a lovely human being, Danny Bailey was. I mean, everybody loves Danny. You know, city legend, Eamon Collins. Now, there's a there's a, a football player who was, if you could keep him sober, was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> you know, I mean, what a footballer! What a footballer! Technically, what a footballer! You know, when he sat in the middle of that park and played football, like you, Stevie Williams, 
you know, the only difference is probably Steve was sober, but Eamon, you know, what a character. You know, they all used to go on the horse racing, him and Borley and uh, Murano, and you knew you knew when the racing was on down at Exeter or Western or whatever, because we'd come in, there was all these binoculars and everything up on the... Uh, on the pegs, but I mean, it was loads of, loads of great, Ronnie Jepson, big character, Steve Moran, I mean, absolute legend, you know, Stevie, Stevie must be, was my roomie for quite a while, why they put me with Steve Moran, I'll never ever know, <laughs> but um, I learned an awful lot off the pitch off Stevie, to be fair. And John, just um, after your your great time at Exeter, you obviously left to, to move on to Swansea City, um, just on that move, I mean, how did the interest from Swansea come about and why did you decide to, to leave Exeter? Do you know, Stu, if I'm honest with you, I had no intention of leaving Exeter. Um, I bought a little house in Alfington and I was dead happy. Um, you know, me and John Brown went to sign a new contract. They'd offered us a new contract. We went to sign it and unfortunately, Doc, Doc Holliday, you remember Doc? He'd... Uh, He'd missed a deadline day that you could sign, so then we had to wait till the end of the season. Now, I think I scored, I don't know, was it 12 or 13 goals that year? You know? Um, I had a sponsorship from Fingal Glen Golf Club. I had a load of golf clubs, free golf clubs. I was on fire. I loved it. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden, I was with Eamon Dolan, God bless him. We were playing, believe it or not, we were playing Pictionary in or something. We were doing, you know, I don't know, frustration, whatever. And uh, I got a phone call from the gaffer and said, oh, I want you to, want you to play in, in the, this reserve game um, on Tuesday. Now, the season had just finished, and I was like, playing this game? What am I playing this game for against Swansea? You know what I mean? Anyway, long story short, I didn't get it. I was a bit peed off with it, if I'm truthful. I've just, you know, been... I mean, I got, you know, up there with player of the year and whatever, and um, scored the goals. Why am I playing in a reserve game? Anyway, I played, and I scored, and we won 1-0. And... Um, after the game, I got another phone call off him to say, um, look, um, Frank Burroughs is interested in you. He's offering us a fee for you. And I think you should go and speak to him. So I spoke to Eamon because Eamon was like very, very intelligent and knew, you know, quite experienced in football. And, and he, he said to me, look, mate, he said, you know, it is a big club. Swansea is a big club. I said, but I don't want to go. I really do not want to go. And he said, well, just go and speak to them, you know. He said, but it is a big club for your football career. It would be a step on, you know, they're looking for promotion and just missed out on the playoffs and stuff. So, long story short, I went to meet Frank Burroughs um, at Taunton Services, went up to Swansea. You'd laugh at this. I went to Swansea, come off of Bristol, seen a sign, Gwathanathu, <laughs> and it said six miles. I thought, happy day, Swansea, six miles, I can travel here. <laughs> From Exeter, I can still stay in Exeter. Services, Gwasanath, there was services in Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and I went, and, and if I'm honest with you, I went, and, you know, that was it, really. You know, I spoke to them up there. I didn't really want to go, but I think they got something like 25, 30 grand, and Russell Coughlin, again, Russell, what a good player Russell Coughlin yeah. was, you know. So you had, but you had no idea going into that training game that that was one of the reasons why. No, I was I was going to knock at his door, so I had a friggin' of my plans in the reserves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Didn't have a clue, and um, and obviously, I think they'd been keeping the tabs on me. They'd seen them when I'd um, played against them, and um, give my old mate Stevie Jenkins a little bit of a run around. I got to give him a, a little mention, and I, <laughs> and um, you know, um, yeah. And that was it. But I never, ever had any intention. I was very, very happy 
Atex there to stay at X as I wanted to stay and all of a sudden and that's how quick it happens Stu, you know what I mean? Mm. You know? That's how quick it happens. So that was that, that was a Swansea move. After that though, John, obviously you went on to play for Walsall, Gillingham, Northampton. Um out of those clubs, I think the the standout memory for myself having followed your career was when you played for Gillingham in the playoff final against Man City. Um obviously not the result you wanted, but just <sighs> such a such an yeah, incredible I mean, game, wasn't it? The, there's been a few Sorry, I didn't hear that last bit, Stu. I was just saying, the, the, the Man City playoff final, when you are at Gillingham, yeah, it was, it was mean, a hell of a game, was, wasn't it? You know, we, when we was at Swansea, we played at Wembley, we won the Autoglass Trophy, beat Huddersfield, didn't we, on penalties? So that was a you know a massive game, everybody, every kid's dream wants to play at Wembley. Um, played in that game, and being truthful, truthful, never really played brilliant all the way through in that competition, got to Wembley, and it was a real stalemate of a game, didn't really get into the game that much. Uh, but we won the game and it was great. Um, you know, going through y- your career, you have big standout games. I mean, um, obviously the Wembley game with, with uh, Man City. I mean, I'd signed from, from Walsall. I'd just got into the division player of the teams with the PFA and that and went to speak to Tony Poulis. I was I had about six different clubs that wanted me and I spoke to Cardiff. thought, I can't go to Cardiff. Frank Burroughs, again, my old manager at Swansea, he was the manager of Cardiff. Well, I can't sign for Cardiff and I played for Swansea I'll get lynched you know and um, in the end I signed for Gillingham and you know Tony Poulis he said to me um, yeah you know you're the jewel in me crown blah 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 anyway long story short he started playing wing backs and um, as you know Stu I wasn't the best uh, defender on the planet you know and you know <laughs> going forward I, that's where I excelled and uh, I was I ended up a sub and I was coming off the bench there all season and coming on for 20 minutes and we had Man City and Fulham in the league and we beat Fulham at home 1-0 and I come on and laid the goal on and the fans absolutely adored me because you're a winger, aren't you? you know, as, yeah. a, as a centre-half, you talked about centre-halves early on about giving the, you know, you give the ball away, you're knackered, aren't you? Or keeper makes a mistake. As a winger, you get the ball, try and beat two or three players, you, you might fall over the ball and they go, oh, never mind, give it them again, you know? Mm. And they love that type of player at, at Gillingham and... Um, but I wanted to play, but I didn't fit into his system really when he was playing. And on that game, I was on the bench at Wembley, and then we were tuning a lot, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, 88th minute, um, Carlos Arbor had just come off, um, and we're still. And then Paul Dickoff scores, and then I think it's guy butters on the shoulder and gets deflected, and we think, well, we're still two-one. And 95th minute, where the ref got five minutes from, I'll never know. That's five minutes, and boom, they uh, they equalise. And then, yeah, you know, I, I come on for the extra time, I play the extra time, should have had a penalty, I'm sure of it, but, uh, and we go to penalties, and, yeah, all right, you know, I scored a penalty, which was brilliant for me as an individual, I scored my penalty at Wembley, but I can't tell you how bad that, that game was uh, from a mental, mental point of view when you're tuning up and then you lose the game on penalties, mm. you know. I mean, the boys were absolutely destroyed from it, you know. Yeah. Um, as as you'll know, we're going with Exeter. When well, I was going to say, John. Obviously, you've been in that situation. It's, it's happened at Exeter now for the last two year two years running. So, yeah. how difficult must it be for the players to overcome that that you know that mental? It is. Yeah, it is. It's it's. Um, oh, it was it was. You know, to come. I mean, you're playing Man City. You know, as well. There's ninety thousand there. Mm. We're taking the penalties at the Man City end. I mean, half their fans even. I think the Gallagher brothers had even gone at 2-0 in the nine, you know, at 88th minute. They were all gone, 
you know, and then all of a sudden they get back into it and there's fans for a lot and you've taken the penalties at their end. So, yeah, you know, personally it was brilliant for me as a, you know, I ticked a, a, a box what I wanted to do in my football career. However, I'd have took a win over me not scoring any day of the week, you know. Yeah. Um, that, that's just the way it was. But, uh, you know, there's been loads of, loads of big, big, you know, you go on cup runs, don't you, with clubs. I mean, we got beat in the FA Cup quarter-final. We got beat at Stamford Bridge by uh, by Chelsea when I was playing for Gillingham. We had a great cup run at, um, at Walsall. You know, we played at, at Old Trafford, which, again, you know, fantastic. And as you know, um, extra have been there, you know, which are fantastic games, aren't they, you know, yeah. to play in when, you, when you're a player of the clubs I've played for, you know? Absolutely. Well, thanks very much, John, for coming on today. And that's all we've got time for. Um, thanks also to Jamie and Stu for joining me as well. And um, we'll be back for more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. No worries. <laughs>